ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good, here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 85. Tonight, we tackle Halsey. Not physically, we still tackle it. And we embrace a challenge by El Ray himself, Mr. Joe Rife. That seems to be exciting, I think. Joining me tonight is JPP. Greetings, mute settings. How are y'all? I expect more from you. That's why I led with you. Well, I was That's on another Monday, you're first next week. You go <laughs> I was, now. I was on another us, tab. <laughs> joining us too is Metalhead Monday. Uh, I'm not on any other tabs. <laughs> There's a sale, okay? Uh, Paul has to pick up the tab next time because he's letting us down. That's right. <laughs> and rounding out the lineup is El Ray himself, Joe Ray. Hello, everybody. A good evening. Greetings. We're recording a little late this time. A couple of days off. Yeah, no doubt. And for those who can't see anything because this is audio, uh, Joe's resolution is so poor, it looks like his left eye has been badly bruised by a punch or something similar because of the shading and the blurriness of the resolution that I'm seeing in the stream. Or he's got a caterpillar the- eyebrow. <laughs> <laughs> Under my eye. Yeah. You know, is is that the old uh, farmer's almanac saying? If you have a caterpillar on your eyebrow, it's going to be a pretty harsh winter. It is. Yeah. Um, so. Okay. Depending yeah. on the color, and mine Thanks, is Joe. mine is dark, like the circles under my eyes. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> oh Lord. yeah, Joe, your resolution is a little off tonight. <clears throat> Did you put some saran wrap over your screen? I didn't realize that this was a contest. So let me. I'll wipe. <laughs> well. You can always fix your resolution next year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Lord. Yeah. I'm here all week. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's hey. a tough crowd. Look at him. He's not even wincing. He's just like, whatever. I'm just trying to breathe, man. Just trying to breathe. <laughs> all right. This I dug this up. I was going through all of these comics and trying to reorganize stuff, and I found these old magazines. Can you see that? Ooh, Wizard, nice. Wizard 200. My buddy. It's like 1,400 in dog issues. Anyway, so it's got all of these cool things in there, um, all these polls and picks or whatever, since they were in existence in 1991, up until the current time of this magazine, which um, doesn't have a date. Oh, it's 2008. Hmm. So we're dealing with about 17 years. And it's got cool things in there, like, Mark Grunwald having his ashes put into the ink of Squadron Supreme, you know, cool story when he passed. And then it's got these polls. So, Mundy, I'm going to put you on the spot. All right. It's a simple one. There's another one that has the 50 events that that rocked comics between 91 and 2008. But this one is, I think it's like the top 200 greatest comics in Wizards history, which is 91 to 2008. So if you had to take a stab, I'm going to predict that even though there are a million comics to choose from, I'm going to bet you can pick at least three out of the top ten. From Okay, so from 91 to 2008. Most are 90s and early 2000, like very early. Am I picking three? or You pick as many as you want. I bet you can hit. I bet if you pick ten, you'll get at least three correct. 
Um, okay, so I'm going to say the Jim Lee, Chris Claremont, X-Men number one. Nope. Uh, is there specific issues or just titles? These are actual issues, which okay. makes it even harder. So I'm saying that. Okay. I can't remember if that was... I think that was 91. I don't remember. That'd be on the early end. I think Spider-Man... Um, I don't remember if Spider-Man happened before Wizard. I think it did. So I'm not going to say that one. Let's see. In that time period, I would say Kingdom Come. Yep, that's uh, I don't number... know what specific number they would. Oh, uh, it was number seventeen, but I'm giving it to you because it should have been a little higher. <laughs> Opinions count in this in this round. Gosh, man! I, uh, wow. How about this? You think I'd be able to just rattle some off? We're but... going to do. We'll do Joe's uh, challenge, and then I'm gonna come back to you, and you can just rapid fire them off. Well, how about I throw one out there? <laughs> All right, Maybe. what do you got, JPP? Where where does Weapon X fall into that? Um, that that might have been earlier, or it might have been in there. I think it's in there, but I don't. I would have to dig through. It is not in one of the top. Okay. Uh, X Men number one is thirty one. Okay. Okay. It seems a little low, actually. Yeah, it I mean, does actually. It was huge. Yeah, because that was like. Wolverine and X-Men were pretty much my wheelhouse of the 90s and, you know, some Spider-Man. Um, you said it was 91 forward, not like the 80s, right? Correct. So, like, Craven's Hunt and all that stuff wouldn't be in mm-hmm. there. Nope. That, nope. No, they definitely would be up there, though. Yeah. And this is all subjective. I mean... I was going to say, know. yeah. I mean, are they saying best or what? I would think that one would stand out. One Superman story would stand out. Well, Death of Superman. That's yeah, cool. that was number five. Um, I would say let's let's do some more here real quick. Uh, I maybe how about Preacher? Yep. Um, the Authority. The Authority is a little bit down the list, but they are in there. Mm. Trying to think of a big Batman story during that time. Batman does not appear in the top ten. Good to know. He was rubbed. Yeah, big time. All right. I'm out for now. All right. Well, you got two. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, if you decide that you want to come up with some more titles later, <laughs> then you can pump back in and we'll just uh, see if we can knock out a couple more. And, Joe Rife, I'm going to give you the floor to introduce your challenge. Yeah, uh, pretty simple this week. Just thinking about upbeat tunes, tunes that are like your go-to for um, a good mood. And one stipulation, I wanted you to pick an old one and one that's a little bit more current. So I'll let you decide what that means. Well, I got to say the 80s hit Cruel Summer always is a (laughs) feel-good tune for me. That It just brings back good nostalgia, you know, because it has the the nice kind of percussive synth thing going on and just reminds me of summer vacation and the jam shorts and the, uh, you know, the days outside of school and enjoying childhood, if you will, He-Man's the like, all that good stuff. Um, as far as like a modern upbeat tune, um, levitating by Dua Lipa. That's one that my wife and daughter listen to all the time. 
And so it's always playing and it's always good to see them enjoying themselves and being in a good mood. So I kind of play along. Very nice. Cool. Monday, what you got? So my choice for the older song, uh, I mean, I don't see how I could have picked anything else. To be honest, I, I went with Hocus Pocus by Focus. <laughs> nice. Anyone familiar with that song? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> it is absolutely incredible. I the video, there's a live performance. It's from one of the old TV shows where they had live performers. I don't know which one, but I it, it's amazing. I the they are absolutely killer musicians. Amazing. I mean, flat out amazing musicians. The drummer absolutely slays on that song like little mini solos crazy fills he's incredible there's a flute solo come on <laughs> mm-hmm. Lizzo. and the quote-unquote vocals are it just it makes me laugh every single time i i can't i mean the song it's just fun it makes me feel good it's hilarious and it's awesome and at the end of the performance, I mean, this studio audience goes absolutely apeshit. They lose <laughs> their minds. It's 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 incredible. I remember a cover of that being performed on uh, Headbangers Ball by Gary Hoey. No kidding. Yep. I actually saw somebody did like, uh, you know, all these people are doing like quarantine covers over Zoom. And that. I saw one of those when I was watching this again for mm-hmm. like the millionth time. And uh, it was not good. Oh, really? Yeah, it was weird. They like kept cutting into going into other songs, and I don't know. It was weird. I don't gotcha. like it. Well, you know, the best part of that original tune is like the midsection scat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's just very uh, hilarious, and and it's yeah. it's a fun song. You know, it jams, and it just you just laugh because I love it's, it. It's so crazy. I love it completely mm-hmm. unironically. I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> now I, I have to check this out. Oh yeah. my gosh. You don't know it? I don't know it. I, at least, I, at least expect- I, I, maybe I do and I don't, but you'll be singing the build up every time oh. by, by the second time. I, I, I expect a full report. Hey, mm-hmm. Paul, you mentioned Gary Hoey. Did he have an album called A Ho Ho Hoey Christmas? He did. I, I thought yeah. he did. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Ho Ho Hoey, the complete collection. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's been, you know, around for a long time and long great, time. great player. Yeah. Okay. My newer song, uh, I'm, I have to go with, uh, kill switch engage the signal fire. It is, uh, from jump. It is absolute balls out banger of a song. I mean, they go for the jugular right away. Super heavy. Skill Switch Engage. Jesse Leach is an awesome singer. Mm. And on this song, they have their old singer, Howard. Howard Jones comes back and him and Jesse sing together. It's so good. And they they are both good at, you know, going from the singing to the screaming and all that. And they they, I mean, they're on their skills are on full display here. The lyrics are hopeful and uh you know kind of kind of picks you up a little bit um the the signal fire is a light 
to lead us out of despair and all that kind of stuff. It's wonderful. Uh, when I was watching it, I watched the video a few times just to kind of, you know, get ready for this. And it's still, I mean, it gives me goosebumps. I love it. I absolutely love it. And the way they do the video is Howard's kind of sitting off in the shadows and they kind of cut to him and build it up like, Oh, he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And it's, it's just fantastic. I love it. It's, it gets me up, gets me happy and kill switch is kind of, you know, Jesse tries to do a lot of positive in his lyrics and it's, it's great. I love that song so much. It's a good yeah. album. I'll have to revisit it and have it listened to it in a while. I'll be seeing them live in one month and one day. Nice. So it might be. Um, let's just hope that things stay as they are. <laughs> yes. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but hey. No, is that you, the show? Is uh, Light the Torch on that show? It's uh, Agent Orange, one other band, them, and then Slipknot. Nice. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's not what I thought it was. I don't yeah, it's like the, the road torch show. On that one. Yeah. Right. I was going to say, they, they were doing some shows, Kill Switch, with Light the Torch, and I, I guarantee you they were doing this song every night. Because that Light the Torch is Howard's band. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. Excellent choices. I can't wait to try that first song. <laughs> I can't I wait guess. for you. I wish I could watch you watch the video for the first time. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a rea reaction video for you. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go because the maestro has to finish out his own challenge. Mm -hmm. So um, my old pick A or B, which one do you want? It was a toss-up for me. Um, I was thinking B. All right. I'll go B. Yeah. The band, it's B-52s. Oh. A was Rock Lobster <laughs> because you just can't get away from that sound. B was Quiche Lorraine. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's about a dog dyed dark green. And it has awesome lyrics like, it runs around and shouts out, <laughs> bark, yeah. That's what your dogs were doing a minute it ago. Quiche yeah. <laughs> La Poodle is her name. But uh, it's the most ridiculous song. But uh, we used to have a great time with it when we were in college. And um, a couple of my friends would appreciate the choice. So Quiche Lorraine, that's my old-timey. <laughs> Makes me feel good song. And Rock Lobster That's does too. I even got our band to play it at games now. So nice. Rock Lobster's <laughs> awesome. I've always been partial to uh my own private Idaho. Mm -hmm. I like that one. Yeah, they were great when they came out. Uh, not to say that they still weren't good, but I appreciated the older, quirkier music, I guess. Yeah. And then to no surprise, my uh current one is how it is by Rush, because it is so different. It's very poppy. It has kind of an upbeat thing going on. It still has like a really cool driving bass line, but it almost has a folksy kind of sound in the middle. And it's an interesting song because <clears throat> on the surface, you wouldn't think that it's an uplifting, happy song, but it's where it puts me. Um, it talks about um, when today's, as far as we can see, faith and bright tomorrow's giving way to resignation, that's how it is, how it's going to be. But it finishes, and it says, seems we'll never see the sun. I feel the day has possibilities, but the problem is you're frozen in the moment because of your lack of imagination. 
So when I hear that song, I just kind of think of that as a um, kind of like a push to it's there. It's yours to make it. You just got to go do it. And so it's a feel good song for me. And it's also kind of inspirational. Those are Very lyrics cool. to a song. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Indeed, they were lyrics. It's just different when you hear them read like that. It's like, <laughs> I know it's fresh, but. Yeah. Excellent choice. Well, you came up with this, so you had to have had something in mind, right? Yeah. Um, I went back and forth. I think I finally settled on one the other night. I'm just going to put both of my choices out there, and then I'm going to explain them. My old favorite is House of the Rising Sun, and my new favorite is Hey Soul Sister. Those are just... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me finish my drink next time <laughs> that's brilliant oh good lord it's a good challenge guys that was good <laughs> people are at home like what, what's funny I don't get it yeah uh, and like, we're not going to explain it inside jokes don't work um, my real choices are going to suck in comparison so um Maybe I just shouldn't share them. No, I will. Uh, my favorite, when it, it fits so many moods uh, because it's the band, because it's the song. Um, I love Mudhoney's version of Pump It Up by Elvis Costello. Mm -hmm. It seems yeah. like when uh, Mark Arm sings, he just sings like a smart aleck. I don't know. He has this certain tone to his voice, and it, it fits so well. And uh, they rock on that song. So Pump It Up by Mudhoney is my older choice. And um, a new album, this was from Jason Isbell's, the next to last album that he put out. And it's probably one of the most hopeful songs I've heard in a long, long time. And it's called Hope the High Road. Um, instantly puts me in a good mood from the minute the intro riff kicks in until the, the end. It kind of ends on a little solo. Catchy as hell. Um, instant mood changer, though. So those are my two. Very awesome. cool. Yes. Good choices. Uh, T bags uh, with us, but um, I think he had a couple submissions too. If I'm not Backstreet mistaken, Backstreet Boys, right? Net well, his favorite old time upbeat song was "Florida" by Neil Young, <laughs> and I think his uh, um, I don't know what his newest song is. We'll have to ask him. It's I think it's "Florida." Probably probably it's Florida. Say. Yeah. <laughs> probably that for... Nine Inch Nails uh, uh, technicality. Yeah, Florida <laughs> could work for both because it was recorded in the seventies, yeah. but released like last year. Mm -hmm. so. True. Yes. Okay. We'll we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Mm. We'll find out if he listens to the show. <laughs> yeah, I'll get a pretty heated text exchange going here. All right. So, are you ready for your next week's challenge? That's yes. yes. Mm -hmm. So, we were um, sitting around the other night, and my daughter had written a poem. And conversations go from one thing to the next. And, of course, it has to do with Bob Dylan in some way. And then... <laughs> Um, we started, she was <laughs> working on, uh, iambic pentameter and then it had a rhyme scheme and, uh, my son Clay and I started teasing her that it wasn't, uh, a Plutarchian, uh, kind of thing or Petrarchian, sorry, uh, sonnet, which is much better than the Shakespearean sonnet. And the next thing you know, it led to wish you were here, which has sort of the Petrarchan sonnet in the middle of that. And that song of course was based on a poem. So the little wheels got turning and so what I decided was the challenge is going to be what song, stripped of all of its music, makes a great poem? 
The hamsters yeah. woke up and got the wheels turning. Got it. Okay. Yes, they did. Okay. All right. It all came because we were teasing Sistine. Nice. Yeah, you guys near uh, intellectual conversations, I tell you. A bunch of college-educated so-and-so. Yeah, it leads from Bob Dylan to we've got to watch all the live performances from Greta Van Fleet um, because he's got an amazing voice, and this guy's the best guitarist ever. And I, I will say, when Sistine posted that one thing, the three pictures of the... Apparently, I have a type, and it was Dylan and her boyfriend and the dude from Greta Van Fleet. I was like, yeah. that is amazing and hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she had him, her boyfriend, wear her cheerleading sweatsuit from her sophomore year in college <laughs> last night, and it fit him. <laughs> That's oh, yeah, she put. I can say that because she posted it on social media, so. He's a good kid, but he's obviously uh, too easy <laughs> to fool or <laughs> to make do things. <laughs> I remember Joe once wrote a haiku because I challenged him to based off of stealing people's candy in the office. And it was classic gold. <laughs> it, read, it read as follows. Yes, I stole your candy. What? You going to cry about it? Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> Do, 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 you know, <laughs> a little ukulele. You got yourself a train song there. Uh, <laughs> I had a coworker that sat next to me in a cubicle and listened to Train all day long. Oh my god! Oh my god! A you. I feel like you were at a wedding reception, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some hack bands playing it. Oh yeah. man. You know, we can say we can dog on Nickelback. At least they have some distortion. But, <laughs> That's uh, true. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. That'll be the next <laughs> poll. We'll pick photograph and put it up against That's Hazel's fun. sister and see what happens. Hey, Steve. Yeah. I got another comic I want to see is on, if it's on your list. Okay, shoot. I had to look up what an issue number it was. Okay. Green Lantern number 54 from 1994. It's the one where Kyle Rayner finds his girlfriend's in the fridge. <laughs> yep. Um, I, have so that I don't issue. know why that's hilarious, but because it sparked a movement. Um, I'm going to have to look through this as we're chatting because there's like 200 of them to look for. Speed of and... movement. I'll be right back. Wait. That might be in the events. Oh, because that did spark the movement that Gail Simone started women in refrigerators about the treatment <laughs> of women in fiction and comics. Yeah. So, yep. All right. I'll look it up here in a bit. But we have work to do now, gentlemen. We have to talk about this album. If I can't have love, I want power. By With a little assistance from Trent and Atticus. Every time you do that, Paul, I feel like I should be saying no whammies. <laughs> Big money. Big money. No whammies. <laughs> Classic. All right. Well, who wants to take the lead? Ooh, I don't know if I have a ton to say about this. I don't like I listened to it. I enjoyed it. I, I there wasn't anything I hated little nitpicky stuff here and there but uh overall i mean it was it was pleasant i 
I, you know, you can obviously tell, you know, Trent and Atticus are all over it. But uh, did anybody read that article that I sent about her? Or, well, it was, actually, it was Trent talking about it. You gave me the Cliff's notes. I didn't get a chance to go back to yeah. it. Yeah. So basically, Trent made it sound like Halsey had this album done. Like it was done. And then she wanted to work with them. So she submitted it to them to see if they would be interested in, you know, putting their stank on it. And uh, yeah. So, and Trent was basically like, I mean, you have a whole album here. We can work on it. We, I mean, you can release it as is. If we take it, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can with it. And so I, I thought that was interesting. I don't know. It's like, I, I, I don't know if you would be able to tell that from really listening to it. I don't think I really could, but uh, I think it's interesting that it's not a, an organic from the ground up kind of project like it, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it would have made a difference if it, if they had done it differently. No, I yeah, I don't know. And I think I probably put unfair expectations on it because I hear, oh, they're working on it. You know, something spectacular is coming. But it tends for me now to be the same kind of plunky piano and then yeah. some some sound, sounds grinding in the background or some mm-hmm. kind of atmospheric type sounds. or I don't know. I, it feels like the same thing is, gets repeated quite a bit with them. And I know that's me being not, you know, super technical with music, but... That's the way it comes across to me, and I always I, expect more, and it's not. Yes, that. I had the same thing. I mean, the first song, the my, the first thing I wrote down immediately was like Resner piano. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's all over this album. It's it sounds like Trent playing the piano. I mean, it's that it's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, um, that's you guys are pretty much on par with my opinions of that too. And and after listening to it, after hearing Monday's uh, recap of said article. Um, I tried to listen for some differentiations, if you will, of how my perception was initially. I mean, I, I thought originally that it was a ground up collaboration and I, th- it makes me wonder, would Trent have done something different with her vocal intentions? Would he have had her maybe get a little more raw? I mean, there are some elements where she's doing some unison. That's kind of a little off tune intentionally. And I thought that was great because auto-tune wasn't in the mix and that sort of thing so it lent for some more organic experience um and that sort of thing and i really come to appreciate that so i thought maybe that was something resner did but chances are it probably isn't now um so there was some you know certainly some uh i guess vision on her behalf that really came to be and then Trent and Addison came in after Atticus. I'm sorry. Let me talk again. Trent and Atticus, goodness, tongue tied. Um, they came in after the fact and um, just said, okay, well, if we had an opportunity to take what exists and remix it a little, then here we are, I guess. Yeah. That's what I was curious about. How close are we to just having a, a remix album here? And then are there remnants of what the original sounded like that they didn't get to with the, uh, Steve alluded to on that note, uh, the number seven darling, mm-hmm. I don't, I, I personally did not hear 
Trent and Atticus really on that song much at all. I mean, it's her and kind of an acoustic guitar. It's just a pretty love song. I, I don't, I, I didn't hear them on that much at all. No, so I don't no, know, agree. you know, I, I, I don't know if we had more of that before they got a hold of it or what. Mm-hmm. I think uh, you asked for this, the song right before that. It's probably one of my favorites because it's got kind of that post-punk vibe going on. Yes. Cool harmonies amongst the distorted instruments and just a great driving groove. And I thought that one kind of sounded like a garbage song. Yeah, I can Mm -hmm. hear that for sure. Mm -hmm. It definitely had some of that 90s alt vibe for sure. The album definitely takes a turn at that really poppy acoustic one that you're talking about. And it seems like um, after the first time I go up to six and then the seventh song is turns a corner and it kind of feels like remnants after that uh to me it feels like she went hard pop and then kind of tried to oh no wait no i'm gonna add these industrial elements back in i swear the album's gonna be you know consistent all the way through but i i think it kind of fell short in the end I, i would disagree with that a little i see i get what you're saying but i my three favorite songs were in the bottom half so I felt like it had a super strong uh, start, like the first four uh, really were strong. And then it hit this middle section where I felt like it went too far poppy, where we were like getting dangerously close to Tadoff Switler land and, uh, you know, that kind of pop. And so I was really kind of put off by that a little bit. And then I think it came back around at the end. The finishing songs I thought were really strong. Yeah, Honey was a good other driver too, but it, again, it didn't sound very um, messed with via the the Resner Atticus crew. I thought, yeah, I thought that one that one was actually one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of starts out, and it's got there are several that start out with like pretty driving bass lines. That was one of them for sure. And it mm-hmm. kind of sounded like a, a new wave song at the beginning. And then it kind of turns into a bit of a cure feel. Yeah. Music wise anyway. Mm-hmm. I, so I, I really like that one. Yeah. And, you know, like the lighthouse probably is the one that stood out to me as more kind of in the Resner vein where it's more noisy and a little yes. more gritty and textural and that sort of thing. But everything else stays pretty safe and stays within yeah. the confines of Halsey, but still has the electro elements that Resner likes to do with his pop hooks and that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Well, the lighthouse too, that's the one where he comes in at the end with the vocals, backing vocals, kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you think of, we always talk about the lead off song, mm-hmm. uh, the tradition. I don't know if it it's hard to say that it set the tone. I think it was a decent opener. Um, like I said, from the very beginning, you've got that obvious Trent Reznor piano, you know, mm-hmm. which is it's fine. I'm, I'm not saying I don't like that. It's fine. But and um, that song really it. it did a, le- a little more of what Nine Inch Nails does. Those two guys specifically is they they just add layers on top of layers, and they, they kind of build. Though it'll go, and then there's a layer comes in, and then another layer comes in, and it just kind of mm-hmm. kind of builds. And this one kind of you know the layers came and went, and uh, it sounded really good i thought it was it's a solid opener i don't really think it set the tone for 
the whole album, but it, I like the song. Yeah, and to piggyback on that too, the when I heard the the rhythm of the piano piece, it reminded me of La Mer and Hurt, um, and sort of the instinctual inspiration that Trent kind of pulls from when he's, especially with the way the piano kind of has a nice melodic thing going on, then it plays a little bit of a weird leading tone and goes into the next piece of it and that sort of thing. So there's intentional. It's not necessarily dissonance, but a, enough chaos with it that it fits, but it also jars you a little bit, um, much like Lemaire and Hurt and everything as well. And with, like you're saying, with the layers, there's always a background, foreground, things like that, and stuff kind of moves and, you know, cycles around and that sort of thing. And that's the, one of the things that I really appreciate about uh, Trent's writing in general is just really hearing sounds kind of take the forefront and then come back and something else gets your attention and um, still being able to use those elements throughout the song without boring you you know what i mean so um much to your point not necessarily the the mood of the album but you know i think it fits in a good way to just get started warm up a little bit and then you start getting punched in the face a little bit later yeah i'd agree with that yeah, I think it's got to open because I don't know where else where else it would fit. <laughs> yeah. For one thing, because mm-hmm. um, it does take off after after the opener. Yeah, it gets pretty intense after that. So yeah, it would almost be a jarring break somewhere down the line. I think. Yeah, it almost feels just like the most radio friendly. Let's get this out there kind of song. Mm-hmm. Maybe the safest. Well, speaking to that, uh, I don't know. How long after? Well, so this album came out on the Friday. This hasn't been out for the whole week, right? This came out on Friday. So correct. by the time I really dug into it, like on, uh, I mean, even late Saturday, every single one of these songs had well over a million listens. Every one of them. The first track, the tradition, the opener had over two million, and the uh, "I'm not a woman, I'm a god" had over four million, just a good, in a wow. day or two. That's a good three bucks right there. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Sadly, yes. <laughs> yes. What do you all think about "Easier Than Lying"? I when I was listening to this, it felt like it would have fit perfectly in uh, Danger Days by My Chemical Romance. It had like the <laughs> pop part in the middle, just like, oh my God, that's, I it was like rattling around my head. I was trying to figure it out. And I'm like, ah, there it is. Yeah. yeah, this is another one when I said earlier had a driving bass line. This one absolutely does. And, you know, it's a bit of a rocker. It's not, not too hard, but mm-hmm. it, it, you know, gets you nodding your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a good mover. Yeah. And I really dug the bass tone for sure. I actually mm-hmm. listened to it on the way home from uh, playing a gig over the weekend and, you know, I was completely drained. So some of that energy kind of helped me get home. What was the, uh, what was your all's favorite song on the record? I think you asked for this was mine. Hmm. Yeah. Um, my favorite was, Honestly, I not to follow the crowd or anything, but I think my favorite was I'm not a woman, I'm a god. And I I think that one honestly it kind of felt like a um <laughs> what is it? Uh, how to destroy angels song a little yeah. bit. Yeah. It really did. Um, 
but it's super, super solid. Mm-hmm. So I understand the 4 million listens. That's going to ask. I was going to ask if you listen to it 4 million times. <laughs> yeah, Not <dude>. quite. <laughs> Repeat while you sleep. No, that's <laughs> the vibe of that song. I could actually hear that on the, the upcoming Matrix movie. You know, it kind of has that mm. vibe that could probably fit that aesthetic. How about you, Joe? I couldn't get around the catchiness of Girl is a Gun. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Honey as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, those two stood out for me, I think, probably the most. For me, it was. Uh... Just for the beat, the sound Lilith um, had that little industrial pipe striking sound at the beginning, which I thought was kind of cool. That was definitely a, a little Resner touch there that that mm-hmm. I like, and I I kind of dug the lighthouse towards the end. It's a little different, and uh, brought the album home. Last one, obviously, I thought was pretty interesting. It was kind of an odd way to end the album, just kind of slowing it down like that. Yeah, um, but it was interesting. And that she chose that to finish the album. So mm-hmm. and, that. I'm glad you brought up Lila too. That's one thing I wanted to say was that uh, that opening beat definitely, it kind of reminded me of Tricky in the trip hop era. Too. Oh, yeah. It had that kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, and that sort of thing. So it was just very moody and it was fun. Yeah, I Lilith was pretty cool. Um, I wrote a great example of how less is more. <laughs> Yeah. And uh but and her vocals on that one was pretty cool. Kind of, you know, she went in and out of the whispering and whatever and I that really it kind of draws you in to listen and pay attention like what ooh, what what's going on here? I can't hear her. like you know. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, effective tool. All right. Does anybody have any final comments before we rate this record? No. <laughs> I was just going to say I never had given her a chance before, so glad I did. And yes, had Resner and Atticus not been involved in some way, I probably still wouldn't. But you know, I've got nieces and nephews that are fans, so I'm going to have to get their opinion on this and see where they weigh in on how this fits in her discography and all that sort of thing. Yeah, similar. I I was aware of her. I heard a song or two, but I, you know, definitely had never taken a deep dive or anything. And that this these two guys, you know, that's a reason for me to check this out. I'm glad I did. Yeah, I kind of wonder, you know, if they hadn't been on the record, how dramatically did it change the songs? I I think without having you know the atmosphere and the nuance and all of that i think these songs still would have been pretty good and worth listening to but just interesting to know how much they really did put on this mm-hmm. well that i i touched on the song darling earlier like i said like it doesn't mm-hmm. sound like they're on that really at all and i i like that song i enjoyed it so it's just a pretty little love song kind of <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I think Monday started off with the right idea. There's nothing like terrible about it. That's, you know, you could be nitpicky here and there. Um, To me, it just, it didn't stand out overall. I would listen to bits and pieces of it. I think again, I don't know about all the way through because there were some places I would think I would probably definitely skip on a listen back through. Although I am curious now, but I think a little bit more about the whole remix element to just see if I could strip those layers away as I listened. See, 
more to the core of the song. So that that would be interesting to me. Yeah, and much like what Reznor has done with his discography with, you know, Broken and Fixed and other remix renditions that came out down the line, it would be cool to see if she released a version of the album that she did originally without them touching it, too. We should start the hashtag release the Halsey mix. <laughs> there you go. I'm on it. <laughs> All right. JPP, rate it, and will you listen again? You know what? Just given that I listened to it and, and without any kind of expectation, it really surprised me in a, in a pleasant way. I'm going to give it a solid four, and I'll certainly come back and visit it from time to time. Okay. Metalhead. Um, yeah, four is a little high for me. Um, I would say it's a little above average just to my ears. <clears throat> I give it a 3.5. Um I don't really know how much I'm going to come back to it. Uh, maybe, like Joe said, certain songs here and there, but uh, as an entire album, probably won't come back to it too often. All right. <laughs> I was going to rate it a two and a half, and <laughs> I would listen to a few songs here and there, but probably not uh, the whole thing again. All right. I'm going to give it a two. And it's not that I didn't love or hate the record, but or love it or whatever. It just felt, it's just kind of there for me. Nothing really grabbed me. Lyrically, it didn't make me think too much. Didn't want to dig in in that way. I, uh, her voice is fine. I don't love it. I kind of am steering away from voices like that. I know, they, I know they're different, but they sort of fall in that same box of that soft singing, breathy, I don't know. Um, there were times where she expanded and she sang a little bit more, which I appreciate, but there, I think there's too much of the other and it all just kind of becomes noise for me. I so. actually, yeah, I, I made a note of that too. I said, she, she has a bit of that, the lazy vocal delivery that, you know, we just listened to a lot of recently, mm -hmm. uh, but she's much more mm -hmm. dynamic and, you know, she can mix it up a little bit more then uh yeah yeah i, I think she's very talented <laughs> and i just don't think she's for me that's the reason for the yeah. most part. and and i probably won't listen again i took all of our ratings and i uh calculated them to average it's it averages at a solid three all right excellent i cannot wait to see our ratings next week this is going to be exciting people <laughs> prepare yourselves <laughs> we are tackling the behemoth 27 songs by the man himself. The, the self-proclaimed genius. What else does he proclaim? That he's... The son, is he some kind of deity? Son of God. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, I, I try to pay as little attention as I can. But he's not pretentious. He don't want no autograph from a book. Okay. Mm, yeah. <laughs> That was a quote. Mm. But anyway, we'll be tackling Kanye next week. I'm actually kind of excited about this. Um, Can we tackle Kanye? Like physically? Literally <laughs> tackle him? Sure. If you want to. All right. So we'll be, this is going to be an odd mix. We're going to be looking at poetry and Kanye. <laughs> so, Genius all around. <laughs> Real highbrow um, show next week. <laughs> how did that happen? NPR will pick it up, I'm sure. <laughs> I guarantee we'll have more to say next week than we did this week. Yeah. I think we will. 
All right, boys, if anybody on the show would like to find you on the medias, where can they do it, JPP? Uh, probably the best place is to look on Instagram under Just Plain Paul. It's a little silent as of late, but you can see some of the works. I am kind of working quietly on music and production under the radar, if you will, and working on some commissioned projects too. So I'm busy all the way around. All right, Elray. Elray4, E-L-R-E-Y-4. That's on Instagram. What kind of pictures can we expect to find on your Instagram account? You never know. It's not planned. <laughs> Any <laughs> pictures of you on the couch eating chips? Uh, maybe. That sounds fun. I'm going to go look so. right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking as well. <laughs> Mommy, where, we don't? where can we find you? <laughs> Also on Instagram at Metalhead Monday. That's M U N D Y. All right. Now, this is your final chance. I said you could pick three. Give me one more. Round out the top three. Let's go. I'm trying to think of like big events during that time at all, man. I don't, I feel like I named all the ones I care about. <laughs> I bet not. I don't know, man. My brain is mush right now. What about Venom? That's a good, a good choice, and I'm <laughs> sure it's in here somewhere. Um, I thought Spawn might be a little higher. Yeah, I was going to say Spawn would be my next choice. But yeah. Are you ready? I'll just give you the top ten. Yeah. yeah do that. All right. Number one. This is a little suspect. Why the Last Man? Really? It's getting ready to be a TV show, so. You know, maybe people dig that now. Number two, Marvels. Number one. Mm -hmm. I okay. love this one. next one. All-Star Superman. That was wonderful. It was uh, weird. <laughs> I loved it. You don't mess with Morrison. He's got a bunch in the top ten, so they love him. Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Number 50 is the one they chose for here. Then the death of Superman. Preacher. This is one uh, you probably would agree with. Bone, number one. That's kind of a classic. I, don't, I mean, okay. Identity Crisis? Yeah, I guess. Um, Daredevil number one because of Kevin Smith. Really? And then Dark Horse Presents Fifth Anniversary. Rounds out the top ten. Because of? The one shot was jam-packed with DH's signature characters, but it's the debut of Frank Miller's Sin City. Ah, there so you that's go. Why. Then there's New X-Men, Captain America 25 where he's killed. There's an Ultimate Spider-Man, Astonishing X-Men, all those. Anywho, no love for Punisher. Or Lady no Girl. love no. for Punisher. All Damn. right, critics don't love Punisher. No. All right, I'm Foggy Spout. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You probably will not find pictures of me eating chips on the couch. <laughs> and you can find this show eating chips on the couch at SoundCloud, Castbox, Stitcher, Apple, Google Play. Uh, I believe all of us in our Instagram accounts have a link to our link tree that has all of these. So there is no reason whatsoever you should not be listening to that other than the fact that the content isn't always fantastic. There's <laughs> an array of is he eating chips? No, he's sitting on the couch with his hat talking about how he didn't get sunburned at the fair. I'm not eating chips in any of these. Folks, you got to follow this guy. You're missing premium content. <laughs> that's, that's so good. I am on the couch a lot, though. I now. like this one, too. I don't understand the context, but hey. <laughs> so so it's, it's a guy with a mask, and he's rigged up a chimney so he can smoke. 
Oh, I see. Out of his mouth. <laughs> oh, I see. Brilliant. Okay. Oh, God. I don't know where I found that. All right. Well, apparently, if you want pictures of him eating chips on the couch, you got to get it as OnlyFans. So. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, I found a new platform. For five bucks a month, you can get two pies baked a month on only grands. Yeah, no, two pies for five bucks. I mean, that was a that was a great meme. I wish it existed. On Shipping is one twenty five. You can't <laughs> get one pie for five bucks. Yeah. <clears throat> no. All right, everyone. Until next week. I know you'll be coming back with anticipation to see how we did with Kanye and twenty seven songs. <laughs> I can't wait to see what we do. All right. Till next week. Bye now.